1: welcome to administrative static and this is john Vecchioni. and the announcer was correct this week mark chenoweth is with us um fresh
0: fresh off of a volcano filled earthquake ridden uh iceland
1: and riots in france
0: that's right that's That's true uh, Uh, let's do it all had a great time and to be back
1: and uh so uh but uh we still have uh what was going on last week we talked to you uh Brown and I spoke to you about the case of Missouri v. Biden, where NCLA represents individual plaintiffs who have been um, thrown off social media by actions of the government, uh, pressuring and coercing uh, social media companies to take their messages down.
0: Congratulations, by the way, John, I guess I haven't had a chance in person to congratulate (laughs) you for the tremendous success there.
1: That is, it, it certainly, it certainly is. And, and just to recap the, um, uh, judge Dowdy uh, in Louisiana has um, issued a preliminary injunction with 155-page memorandum.
0: Great name for a judge, by the uh, way. Yes,
1: and um, yes, beyond he has found beyond a reasonable doubt he that the government had coerced uh, the uh, social media companies, and that there is likelihood success on the merits. <clears throat> and um, he noted that our clients um, had shown that that they had been injured by this, and and uh, he. All he did was prevent in um, the government from contacting social media to coerce and, and uh, Cal Joel and all the rest of it um, to take First Amendment protected speech off of their platforms. And he then went out of his way in eight varying paragraphs to explain why the government was allowed to do things like tell them that there was criminal speech going on, you know, the Nigerian princes, you know, send me a thousand bucks and you'll have riches beyond belief, this sort of thing. All of that they're allowed to take care of, child trafficking, all of the um, people trying to have people vote in the wrong way, all these crimes, they are perfectly um, allowed under this order to um, attack and to um, take care of. But they're not allowed to get rid of messages they don't like that are First Amendment, Protected speech,
0: like like parody accounts. They were going uh, after parody accounts.
1: I love, I love, love, love that. Which was uh, all of Dr. Fauci's minions were calling up uh, Facebook and Twitter and all these places and saying that um, you have to take this down. This is misinformation. And it was a Dr. Fauci parody account, labeled parody account. It wasn't like, oh yes, I'm the real Dr. Fauci. It was making fun of them. And the same people you know who who
0: who loved um uh, uh i am the science but i am not the comedy yeah. apparently
1: no 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 but i also say i i, I also um when it was foul versus um, uh excuse me when it was um hustler H- yeah it was right. yeah well who's the, who's the publisher flint flinty fowl Larry,
0: larry, yeah, larry so, flint, right? so yeah.
1: it was flinty fowl Everyone was like oh this is just that's perfectly fine but not with fauci by gum so um and it and it's mentioned in the in the uh memorandum of opinion but um the government you'd think would be able to live with this and i i got uh, a you know a very sophisticated uh, uh appellate court uh lawyer said well they're not going to why they're not going to do emergency appeal are they because they'll just do regular because it's not really hurting them at all right and i said oh wait for it well the day after the um opinion came down, the government appealed. it, And the second day after, they they moved for a stay, emergency stay of the injunction. And everything was sped up. Um, We and the other lawyers spent our weekend and particularly um, the folks down in Louisiana and Missouri um, uh, shops, spent the weekend doing this. And we filed on Sunday, the opposition to this and on Monday, Judge Dowdy said, for all the reasons I just said, you're not being hurt. They're being hurt. And in an injunction or for stay of injunction, it's, it's really the balance of injury. And the government couldn't say what the injury is. They're allowed to stop crimes. They're just not allowed to stop dissent. That's it. And yet they, they were within two hours of his order. They had moved for stay in front of the Fifth Circuit <laughs> and on an emergency basis. So there's going to be another, uh, uh, you know, fast briefing. Uh, schedule, and um, we'll we'll see what the Fifth Circuit has to say. But what, what gets me about all this, Mark, is that uh, they really are just um, beside themselves about this order, which you would think would not bother them, because they could just say, "Look, we are uh, doing the things that we're allowed to do, but we haven't been asking them to take down people saying things that disagree with our policies, and they won't do that." And they and they won't. Look, it's been a week now. It's been more than a week where the government has not lawfully or at least not under injunction been able to uh, silence the social media companies by threats and coercion. Well, has anyone out there noticed, uh, you know, the the burning of our cities, the sacking of our yes, have the skies (laughs) fallen? No, they have not. Reminds and, me of net neutrality. Yeah. And, and you know that on the cover of every newspaper, if there was something that was slipping through the cracks or the government wasn't stopping crimes that were happening on the internet, you'd be hearing it immediately that there'd been an uptick. It would be on every news. It's 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 nonsense. It's It's really nonsense. And yet the government just keeps going, oh, it's an emergency. Our hair's on fire. We've got to stop this. We've got to be able to stop all this stuff.
0: Well, I'm sure it is a huge problem for them because- not just have they become addicted to the ability to do this, but I think that they have lots of regular meetings in place to do this kind of thing, and they've had to cancel them or radically modify what they were doing. Yeah,
1: as the CDC uh, uh, social media, she meets every week with these people to tell them what, what was going on, and, and there's all these other agencies that do it. And I, I would say this: the um, the uh, Matt Taibbi uh, sent sent us a, uh, a, he, he had a, a, censorship enterprise, um, Twitter file, uh, special edition, I would call it on Missouri v. Biden, where he went through from the Twitter files, not just from our discovery that we found, but, uh, our, our, um, uh, about how the government went after our client, Martin Coldorf He's in here and how they admitted they were doing this and taking the stuff down that was first amendment protected. And, um, I don't, i I'm, I don't, um, Taibbi's off Twitter now too. He, I don't know what he did. Um, I, I don't follow it closely enough to know, uh, who has, who has annoyed Lord Elon, uh, for today, but whatever it is, he says it. I, I know I said I wasn't going to do this, but since I'm persona non grata on Twitter these days, and this material needs to get out in the wake of the ruling in the Missouri Biden internet censorship case, I'm evoking a political necessity exception to post Twitter files, emails that may be germane to the suit. And then he goes through to the, to the, um, to the attorney generals and he talks about martin he talks about everything the government has done that's in the twitter files and here is another plaintiff harvard's Mar- martin koldorf was a- actioned even though he tweeted something true namely that quote thinking that everyone must be vaccinated is as scientifically flawed as thinking that nobody should unquote twitter re- relied on cdc guidelines to st- to strike koldorf's tweet and and then it goes on um, Sending heads up that we will take action on Martin Kuldorf, a professor of Harvard Medical School, for violating our COVID misinformation policy, specifically by uh, sharing false information regarding the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccine. That's not what he did, which goes against CDC guidelines. And then they show his tweet. Um, and then they go to the context. Lastly, um, so, so what we have here is the guy said something that's absolutely true that you can't treat everybody as a cookie cutter and that was thrown off cuz the government didn't like it and um
0: and, and this by the this is one of those things that the government has come around to admitting that natural immunity really is a thing and one of the points Martin Coldorf was making is that people with natural immunity didn't necessarily need the vaccine and that was a truthful statement but he was taken off of Twitter for having said it
1: yeah and and so um the government is is uh, is these emergency motions um, are, you know, you'd think if there really was harm, they would have the harm. They would have an affidavit from someone right now. So and so, you know, uh, he slipped through our grasp yeah. because we have.
0: Under seal with national yeah, security. Yeah, exactly, right?
1: exactly. It would all be there. And you know what? I, I think Judge Daddy would say, well, I said you could go after those bad guys, right? I thought you, all you, you know, they should just cite the, the criminal statute. That it violates, and, and that should be the end of it. But they just want to create this sort of uh, smog of uh, oh, this is really bad stuff. But really bad stuff is always what the government disagrees with.
0: Well, they want to keep doing what they've been doing, which is saying who's, you know who's going to rid me of these troublesome tweets? Yeah. Which you know, and then and then to say this isn't coercion, this isn't government conduct. Oh, the the companies are doing this on their own. We're just telling them about it. But the things they're telling them about are First Amendment protected speech. And that's what Judge Dowdy has said. You have to stop doing that.
1: Right. And, and, and it's combined with threats and abusive language and all the rest of it to these, to these people. And the fact that they're building up a relationship by constant meetings and constant phone calls. You know, we don't have that. Martin Kaldorf doesn't have that with Twitter or Facebook or anyone. He's completely, um, he's completely alone against the entire force of the government coming down on Twitter, coming down on Facebook, coming down on LinkedIn even. I mean, everybody. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anything on LinkedIn that was offensive, so I can't, I can't even imagine. But um,
0: in any event. Well, it, it reminds me of, of the point that, that our boss, Philip Hamburger, made uh, in his Wall Street Journal op-ed, which is that you know, if the FBI is const- you know, even if they're not threatening, if they're constantly asking, if they're constantly prodding the social media companies, then that is a form of abridgment of speech because that constant prodding is the whole point of it. Is to get the companies to crack down on people's speech, so it is the government abridging speech, right?
1: And that was the same. The Supreme Court said that in when the publishers sued about uh, the Rhode Island police going to this bookstore all the time and telling them they're violating obscenity. Oh, we don't, but not seizing the books or anything, just making them stop it. So um, the government's not going to stop. I mean, that they've they've just signaled they are not going to stop. So we will probably be revisiting this. Um, right now, we're in the Fifth Circuit. We're going to see whether the Fifth Circuit stays Judge Dowdy's. Um, order. I certainly hope not, and I don't think so. So um, we'll keep you a pride. Welcome back to Administrative Static. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Federal Trade Commission. We represent a client, Precision Patient Outcomes, Inc., and Margaret Lewis, um, who makes dietary supplements, basically vitamins, to um, help your body um, do all the things your body's supposed to do. Federal Trade Commission didn't like some of the things that Joe said about their vitamins, and so they are... uh, suing to enjoin them from saying things. The government doesn't like you talking, as we know from the previous, uh, from the previous um, episode and uh, segment. And also, um, they get to decide what's true or not. So they're saying that they only they know what truth is, and, uh, and, and it, they don't even have to prove the falsity. You have to prove the truth of your statement. So we took this case, and um, it is very interesting. The FTC always takes a maximalist position, in my experience. They say, you know, we're, you got to give us everything, and they make the process the punishment. We use that all the time, not only within the agency, but when you're in litigation, as we are in federal court. And we're in San Francisco, and uh, San Francisco is a high tech jurisdiction. The judges there have, um, I think, a lot of familiarity with technology compared to some other courts. That would be my analysis of having been there, and. Um, but you know, it's not a place known for uh, strict adherence to originalism or anything like that. Um, and the FTC wanted this single owner of a company to uh, produce everything that the five-year company, everything they'd ever sold or done, they had to produce, even though the complaint was about these two various products. And uh, and there are some other issues, but those were that was the main thing. And uh, we told the FTC, we said, look i read your complaint your complaint talks about these products and you you should be held to that and then they had it they said no we're allowed to look at everything because anything she said could have had an impact on these two uh products and they and they had a whole rigmarole and a song and dance about why they they were able to uh, make us go through this horrible discovery process of of getting a bunch of irrelevant stuff together to please them and we said no we're not going to do that and uh we, we went through the process before the magistrate judge there, um, Kim, and lo and behold, we filed our joint letters and um, and the judge came out very four or five days later and said, well, you know, FTC, you filed a complaint. And in that complaint, you put the defendants on notice of what you're complaining about, right? The things that we'd said about these two types of vitamin supplements. One, which we didn't sell, which I don't even think is, is, could be a liability, but we'll see. Um, in any event, what I found uh, humorous about this is is that if you're a normal litigator, if you're a plaintiff, when I was when I was a plaintiff's guy, um, if it wasn't in the complaint and I asked for it, I it better it better be extremely tightly linked to something in the complaint, or the judges will say no. And every lawyer knows this. Who's ever filed a complaint, they know that they're not going to be able to ask about certain things if they're not in the complaint. You do not get discovery for idle curiosity, right? that's why
0: people do kitchen sink complaints that's
1: that's correct and and um particularly when they don't know what's going on and they have a they have a hint of something so so yeah you can do your your pleadings however you want but but um and sometimes they're overbroad or whatever and and you might get stuff struck so you know there's a there's a um there's a reason to to plead specifically and not but here they had an investigation they investigated this company for like seven or eight months (laughs) they brought this complaint. She handed over all this stuff to them. So it's not like it was all hidden or anything. So, uh, but no, we got to go through a big discovery process and, um, and uh, put a lot of cost and burden on this single uh, owner of a company. And the judge said, no, it's not in the complaint. You don't get to have it. And I am just so pleased about this, Mark, because one of my big bugaboos in, in litigating over the years has been that um the government doesn't expect to be held to its complaint or pleadings or or any other any other rule that any other litigant would have to follow they just think that they're going to get whatever they want now extensions of time they always do get right but but um but when they have to put a burden on the other litigant i think it's very important for the courts to say hey i don't care who you are you're going to follow the federal rules and and judge kim did that here and i'm just so i i, I mean It's just a small discovery dispute, but it's the sort of thing that, uh, the government's used to just blowing by and getting what it wants. So I'm glad to see there's actual, uh, judging. This is, this is exactly what would happen in any private litigation that I know of. And I just don't think that, um, that's come home to the government.
0: Well, it might instill a little discipline. Yeah.
1: I imagine. I I really hope so. And, and I want to point out about this because I, you know, um, Uh, We, John Roberts always says there aren't um, uh, Democrat or Republican appointed judges. And I will tell you this about what's happening in San Francisco right now about the FTC. They are running into a wall, a wall of skepticism about their positions in the the Ninth Circuit and in San Francisco. And this week, um, uh, Microsoft was buying Activision, which is uh, Blizzard games, you know, if you play World Warcraft, that sort of thing. And uh, the FTC under Lena Kahn, she wrote about it. She didn't, she didn't recuse herself. She's written about this beforehand, I'm pretty sure. But um, they wanted a preliminary injunction to stop this merger from going through. So in order to do that, they have to go to federal court. They went to federal court for Judge Corley, and they put in all their, their new – what I call the new theories, the, the, the new antitrust theories of the FTC, where they're going to save the consumer um, basically through stopping bigness. And as Mark and I know, and and uh, some of you may not know in antitrust, it, the um, rule for certainly since the '70s has been that is it pro competition or not? You, it isn't can't be pro competitor. Like in other words, it doesn't matter what your competitors think of it. Does it help the consumer or not? It's called the consumer, um, satis- consumer um, satisfaction. Um, i forgetting the exact word, but it's it's the consumer test, whether consumers are better served or worse served. And that's what that's what you check when you're checking antitrust. Yeah. And um, well, the FTC has been trying to overturn this by, first of all, their rulings, by sending people notices that they're in violation of the law when all they're in violation is is the FTC's new view <laughs> of what antitrust is. And then they're bringing these actions and this preliminary injunction action came in and it has been completely repudiated. And I. Don't know whether they're going to take it up to the Ninth Circuit, um, but uh, they the the fact of the matter is is that they don't have uh, an intellectual legal leg to stand on unless they can say, as we have said in certain areas, and and the administrative people like us fighting the administrative state say this is why these um, these decisions of the past should be overturned. And there's a there's a huge well, Phil Hamburger. There's a huge. Um, intellectual movement that's gone into this. Law professors have been talking about it. And then litigators then go at the margins and they say, well, what's the worst feature of this? And they go after the worst feature that makes no sense. And they get the the rule mar- uh, marginally changed, marginally changed. And this can happen over years. And we've seen this happen in a lot of different areas of law. But the FTC, once again, does not believe that the laws of physics apply to it. <laughs> and so what have they done? They've stated what their views are, and then instead of using a scalpel or using a strategy of winning on the margins here or there, they're going straight at it in jurisdictions which they uh, apparently think they can win in, meaning meaning jurisdictions they think are going to be for the big government, and they're hitting a brick wall. And that's because precedent does matter. Words do matter. Ideas do matter. And um, – the, these courts are not going to simply just go, oh, look, Lena Kahn of the FTC thinks this. I guess I'll have to go wrong with it. They're going to their clerks are going to read cases. They're going to look at the, what the Ninth Circuit has said before. They're going to look at the reasons behind antitrust. They're going to look at the words of the antitrust statutes. Um, and those things are not something you can gain. You have to have something to point to besides we think bigness is bad and we're the experts. And, you know, at one time, maybe that would have worked. You know, at the, at the height of the administrative state, it might have worked. But I was very heartened to see that decision because it shows that these ideas about not letting the agencies do whatever they want and whatever they want is the law, um, which I think in in the '60s and early '70s, at least, um, certainly uh, there was this feeling that that's what was going on. It has really receded, and it's receded in all parts of the country, Mark.
0: All parts of the country and and in and, and academia as well. I mean, the Chicago School of Antitrust really took over from the 70s up until, you know, I'd say up until five years ago, uh, maybe maybe less than that. There's there's been, you know, there've been some people who have fought against it uh, since then, but it's still been the consumer welfare standard and the idea that the the reason we do antitrust is to bring prices down for consumers and to uh, uh, and to ensure efficiencies in the markets that help the consumer. And the, this FTC hasn't been very focused. You talk about Activision Blizzard. They haven't been focused on how does this affect gamers who actually buy the products that Activision and Blizzard make. Could, could those folks possibly be better if Microsoft were to buy uh, Activision uh, and Blizzard?
1: Exactly. And so um, I'm, I was very heartened and I have been and I was very heartened by our little decision here. Um, protecting a small businesswoman from just tremendous expense and misery for no reason that wasn't even in the complaint. And so you are seeing, and I think sometimes we're cynical about the law, but, but we are seeing uh, all over the country rulings that are not uh, are not ideologically based or or or, oh, these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. They're just based on law. And we always expect to see it, but I really like seeing it come out of San Francisco because the other thing that happens there is the wealth of San Francisco has pretty much been founded. It's recent wealth. Okay. There was a gold rush. I'll move away from that. But, but,
0: uh, but, but. It is still the San Francisco 49ers. Exactly. Effort. Exactly. But, but they have moved to San Clara. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: but it, it it was founded on all of these companies being able to do pro consumer things. Um, and, and the, the amount of wealth generated has been incredible. And the amount of companies um, generated in that one area, it's just there's there's more companies, and then they they start small and then they grow. Um, and and there's more there than in all of Europe, for instance, on on high tech. So, um, a couple of good decisions out of San Francisco, and um, we're very happy about it. We're happy for our client, and we'll be right back.